0: Bible's message of the gospel basically contains two fundamental truths. First, it involves a warning, a very strong imperative for listeners to take stock of their lives and acknowledge their great need before God. Yes, it's about facing your sin and the consequences of it. It seems that both of these terms, sin and consequences, are not spoken about much these days, but the Bible speaks about them quite a lot. We have all sinned, and God gives us warning after warning. Of the inevitable consequences sin must be dealt with it can never enter heaven secondly there is the gracious invitation of god to sinners to trust christ to put away their sin the lord jesus says to all of us come unto me all that labor and are heavy laden and i will give you rest are there any restless souls among our listeners today any bad consciences any regrets about how your life is going then this message by evangelist Jim Jarvis is for you.
1: This whole book from Genesis to Revelation is truly the Word of God. So they are all the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, but these are the recorded words uh, that he spoke while he was here upon earth. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 20, Then began he to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done, because they... Repented not. Woe unto thee, Chorazin! Woe unto thee, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shalt be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. At that time Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, For so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I must say this is a a passage of scripture that I really love to read and meditate on because it's really a message from the Lord Jesus Christ to lost humanity. And in this message, we really have a, a template or a pattern for our gospel preaching because the Lord Jesus begins his message with very solemn warnings against those cities who rejected Him. Those towns and villages that had no time for His message, He solemnly warns them. And then with compassion, as He prays to His Father and shows the true yearnings of His heart, He appeals to men and women, Come unto Me. It's a remarkable message. It begins with an emphasis upon repentance these towns and villages that rejected him and would not repent, and then a cry out to God that they might repent, that they might have the Son revealed to them, and then a personal appeal, Come unto me. I believe this message is just as relevant today, nearly 2,000 years later from when they were first spoken. They are just as relevant today as they were then. We believe the Lord Jesus is a true living man at God's right hand. He is the true and living God who became flesh and dwelt in our midst and went all the way to the place called Calvary that he might provide redemption. It always grieves me in my heart when I hear in the news because it's a a movement that has been going on for centuries and it seems to be building momentum where they are trying to find something to discredit the Lord Jesus. But when you come to the scriptures and examine the life of the Lord Jesus, you find absolute perfection. Of course, they won't accept it. And so they're trying to latch on to whatever they can, going back into ancient writings, something that will discredit the Lord Jesus. And the proof is so ridiculous that they present. That scholars everywhere that have any common sense along with their scholarship have rejected these claims outright. They they reject them. They, They know it's ridiculous what these certain ones are saying. But you know what their agenda is? If they can find just something to grasp, some straw to grasp onto that will discredit the person of Christ in their thinking, it gets them off the hook. They don't have to face their sin. They don't have to face the claims of Christ. And they certainly don't feel any need to bow in repentance and receive Him. And so they mock. And they write disparagingly about the Lord Jesus Christ. They criticize Him. And they revile Him. They're doing it the same today as they did when He was upon this earth. What did they do as He went to those towns and villages? Chorazin, verse 21. Bethsaida. Capernaum, all of those little villages and towns around the Sea of Galilee. What did they do as the Lord Jesus stood in their midst and proclaimed the message, presented Himself as the Messiah, as the Savior? They mocked. They rejected Him. The religious rulers, the educated ones, the ones who had standing in these communities, they all rejected the Lord Jesus. That's why He says in verse 25, He thanked the Lord that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent. Isn't that the same thing we see today? Everywhere we go, those who think they're intelligent and educated and sophisticated, they love to criticize and ridicule the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I thank thee, O Lord, thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. I'm quite willing to take my place as a babe, so to speak, in the sight of God. And just listen at His feet to His words. And there was a day when I bowed before Him in repentance in my life. 1964, on September the 3rd, when I bowed before Him and acknowledged my need of a Savior. That was a red-letter day in my life. I was like a babe before Him. I knew nothing except that I was a sinner on the road to a lost eternity. I heard preaching for three weeks from the first time I heard this message that you are hearing tonight. Three weeks later, I accepted Christ. Three weeks from the time I first heard it until I got saved. And during that time, I heard warning after warning after warning, just like the Lord Jesus was warning those towns and villages. And just like we warn men and women tonight that there is a real place of punishment for those who reject Christ. That's why the Lord Jesus said, Woe unto thee, Chorazin! Woe unto thee, Bethsaida and Capernaum! And he compared them to other towns and villages that were brought down under the judging hand of God. He said, if those cities had heard, they would have repented. How much more tolerable Will it be for them in the day of judgment than for you? See, those who hear the word of God clearly and those who understand that this is a true message of warning, if you reject that and neglect your salvation, it makes you so much more responsible before God. Why is it that we don't like warnings? Stop and think about that for a few minutes. Why is it that we're so adverse to warnings? I suppose the only warning that I ever really appreciated is when a policeman pulled me over once for speeding and gave me a warning. I appreciated that warning. But I'll tell you, it slowed me down. I didn't want another one. But Mostly, when we get warnings, something inside inside us begins to rebel. And it's like we want to see, well, how close can we get to this danger without getting hurt? We had a, a nice... Crew of young people that came up to help us with some tent meetings we were having. We covered the whole area with invitations. We knocked on every door and there was about a dozen young people, teenagers that came with us along with some older folks. Anyway, one day we made two or three excursions. One day uh, we decided we would go to a place called Muskrat Falls, which is about 30 kilometers west of Goose Bay. And so we went. And as we were walking down the pathway, it was about a 10 minute walk down to the falls. I said to the young people now, I said, you know that this is not Niagara Falls. There are no barriers, there's no fences or railings or nothing. When we get there, there's just rocks to stand on. And I said, I want you to be very clear, we don't get close. So we walked down and there were the big rocks, there were the falls. It's not a very high falls, it's not much higher than this building, but a tremendous volume of water and of force that goes over. It was impressive, and the roar and the mist and everything else, and so we got out in the rocks, and I again, I repeated the warning. All right, there's some water on these rocks. Be careful. We don't want any accidents. And the other couple that was with me, some of their children were there. They were warning them. And so we all stood there, just taking in the sights. I noticed as the time went by, 15, 20 minutes, everybody kept edging closer and closer. To the edge. And I spoke again. Everybody kind of stopped, maybe took a step back. Another 10 minutes or so. They were all edging closer and closer. And finally, there was five or six of them right on the edge looking down at that torrent of water. I called out and said, Come on, we're leaving. Why are we like that? I warned them. Parents warned them. These were all teenagers, smart young people. And they kept getting closer. And closer, and the last look I gave when I finally gave a roar and said, come on, we're out of here. The oldest one of those teenagers was right on the edge, and he was putting a foot down to see if he could get on a ledge, just testing it to see how close he could get. Would you do that? I probably would at that age. I'd probably be the same. We don't like to be warned. And it seems like danger draws us closer and closer like a moth to the flame. And it's no different when it comes to gospel preaching. No different. We get warnings about sin. About the broad road. We warn men and women and young people about the course of life and the choices that you make. The way that you take And we warn them about the dangers of going on in sin. And the possible consequence of dying in sin. If you reject Christ and the reality that there is a place of punishment. And yet, men and women and young people, it seems like the more you warn them, the more they get drawn closer and deeper into sin. Why is that? Every day the warnings are on the radio, the television, the newspapers, the consequences of smoking, the consequences of drugs, the consequences of immorality. And I could go on and on, If my wife were here, she would say the consequences of a bad diet. My heart always at me about my cholesterol. And yet, what do we do about it? Some things you might get away with for a while. You might be able to kind of skirt around the the edge, as it were. But there are other things, and I can tell you tonight, if you do not heed the warnings, it is going to end badly. Very badly. And this is one of them. The Lord Jesus said, Woe unto you. These are the words of the Lord Jesus. Woe unto thee. There's judgment coming. And in the middle of it, to show that it was coming out of a heart that was truly compassionate. We're not up here trying to be hard and and just hammer on you and make you think that that God has a big hammer over your head that's about to come down. We don't want you to, to think that that's what our preaching is all about because it isn't. Right in the middle The Lord Jesus says, Oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. That word he begins with has often intrigued me. Oh, Father. A word that just seems to be infused with intensity. He wants you to understand that he has a deep compassion for your soul. He has a love for you. Oh, Father, Lord. Of heaven. There was a preacher, a great preacher, many years ago by the name of George Whitfield. He was used of God in Great Britain and here in North America as well, uh, back in the 1700s. People would come from miles around to hear George Whitfield. They'd drive in horses and buggies and walk on foot back in those days to hear that man preach. He had a tremendous voice that would carry for a long distance. They never had PA systems like we have today. And there was an actor, a famous actor in England. That started to follow George Whitfield around, listening to him preach. Someone asked him, he was interviewed by a newspaper, uh, why he was following George Whitfield around uh, and listening to him preach. And he told the newspaper on one occasion that he wanted to hear George Whitfield say the word oh. Because he said, whenever George Whitfield says that word riveting oh such compassion and intensity and i thought to myself if george whitfield could say it that way how must have the lord jesus said that word oh lord oh father lord of heaven intensity emotion and it shows me tonight that we have a loving savior we have a savior who understood perfectly what was at stake And in the midst of that prayer, he turned to his audience and he said these words, and here is the the heart of my little message tonight before I sit down. Now we're getting right to the kernel of it, if you will. The climax. Because it was the climax of our Lord's message when he preached it in Matthew chapter 11. He says, come unto me. I'm not beckoning you tonight to follow me. But I am trying to point you to the Lord Jesus. He is the only one worth following. And so when I repeat these words, think of them as coming, not from a preacher, but from the Lord Jesus. He's the one who spoke them. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is the rest, I believe, of conscience. The rest of conscience as regards to my sin and your sin, when a soul comes to the Lord Jesus, they find rest. They find peace because they realize my sins are forgiven. We read in the book of Romans, chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is rest of conscience. As far as my sin is concerned, I can rest in the fact that Christ died for me. He's my Savior. But listen to the next verse. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Here we have a rest of soul. As far as outside circumstances are concerned, around me in the world, when I come to Christ, and when I receive Him, I'm no longer like the waters of a troubled sea. I find rest for my soul. Outside circumstances don't really have to trouble us or stir us up anymore because we know who we belong to and we know where we're going. Rest as to outside circumstance. And it reminds me of that verse in Philippians, And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. That's what God's salvation brings. Rest to your conscience as far as sin is concerned. Rest to your soul as far as outside circumstances are concerned. This is a salvation worth going in for. Do you have it tonight? Oh, I hope there's someone in this meeting and you'll just get down to business about God's salvation. I know you think there's a lot of things important in your life, and probably there are, but they all pale to insignificance compared to this issue. You need to just set them to one side. I've tried to deal with people who have troubled marriages or perhaps have addictions, or, and they're all important issues, I know, but they'll never find any resolution to those problems until they resolve the issue of their soul, their sin, and their relationship with Jesus Christ. You need to be saved tonight. You need to be born again. You need to come to Christ. Can I just echo these words one more time before I sit down? Matthew 11 and verse 28. Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest.
0: Well, there you have it, my friend. We have a great problem of sin, and God has provided a great Savior to put away that sin. So how is it with you? Have you heeded the warnings given to us in the Word of God? Have you recognized the direction you're going if you're not in Christ? Then turn to Christ today. He has promised rest for your soul. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Christians who are meeting in various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday night, as well as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and the very warm welcome awaits you. And if you've been challenged by today's message, would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, following New Testament principles, please feel free to check out our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information, as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the gospel hall nearest you. Also feel free to take a look at other literature and audio offers at anchorpointradio.com, where you can also subscribe to our AnchorPoint podcast. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening. And we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that in times like these, you need a savior. And in times like these, you need an anchor.